Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Jeff Appling, the senior pastor of Grove Level Church in Georgia, USA. He served as the first full-time pastor since 1992, although the church itself has a history stretching back over 200 years. Jeff is in the UK as one of the teaching team with Equip, a ministry begun by John Maxwell, which aims to equip God's people uh, for leadership. So welcome, Jeff. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you, and it's my pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Um, A brief profile of the church, first of all, just to give us an idea. Uh, The church is uh, in northeast part of um, Atlanta, Georgia, Uh, somewhat rural. Um, The city is large, but where I'm located, it's a small area, uh, not a large population at all. Uh, We're not far from a large population, but we're out in the country. And so a lot of times people think of Atlanta and they think of a large city. But where I am, it's rural, it's country, and uh, that's distinctive. And so uh, the church was founded in 1802. Thomas Jefferson was the president of the United States at that time, Uh, but I didn't make it there until 1990 uh, and stayed a couple of years and then became a full-time pastor, and it's a phenomenal story. Sure. And you didn't grow grow up in the church as such. You came to faith a bit later? Yes, I did not grow up in church at all. Uh, My dad was... um, he was lost. Uh, my mother was a Christian, and so we had that influence in our home, and she prayed, uh, but that was about all. And uh, it was uh, just after high school, when I graduated, that I first heard of the message of Jesus Christ. It so resonated in my heart. It so drew me to Christ uh, that on February the 1st, 1981, was the day I responded by faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He changed my life, thus transformed my life, even to this very day. Well, it's wonderful, wonderful story. Now, my research tells me the average length of service of a pastor in a given church is between five and seven years. You've been over a quarter of a century in the same church, uh, 28 years, I believe. So how much has your ministry changed over those years? Yes, there's uh, always a transformation if you're growing in Christ. You begin an immature leader most of the time, uh, especially me. I was 26 years old. I'd never pastored a church. I came out of the business world into the church and began to grow and learned as much as I could about leadership and discipleship. And the greatest teacher of leadership and discipleship is Jesus Christ himself. He's our model. And so I began to learn as much about him as possible and follow his teachings. And then uh, I found people uh, like John Maxwell, uh, great leaders in America and around the world that began to mentor me, even though uh, it was from a distance. I read their books. I learned as much as I could. Uh, I, and I I took it in. And I, as soon as I would take it in, I would apply it. So learn and apply, learn and apply. And over the years, yes, there's a major transformation in my leadership. I promise my church would say that to you. Excellent, excellent. A bit later on, we'll talk a little bit about what you're in, in London to do, which sure. is um, particularly to d- deliver some of the quit material that uh, John Maxwell has um has put together, um, but but in terms of church leadership over that time, mm-hmm. obviously most most pastors have their shares of ups and downs. Right? Um, are the particular ones that you you think of would be valuable for 
leaders listening to know about that, that you've learned through? One of the things I think leaders have to learn is you cannot run from adversity. Uh, you can't hide in tough circumstances. That's when they need leadership. And oftentimes leaders uh, want to lead from behind. That's not where you lead from. You have to step out. Oftentimes that makes you a target, but that's the cost of leadership. And if you step out by faith and your people see you lead, leadership is so different from dictatorship. It's not about dictatorship. It's about leadership. And leadership is stepping out in front and saying, God has put this in my heart. And I believe we should go this direction. But anytime you take a direction in leadership, there will be people who say, we're not going in that direction. Mm -hmm. And you have to decide who's going to lead you. Mm -hmm. And so having good people around you is very important. That's one of the reasons I think I've been able to stay so long. I've had a great group of people who genuinely cared for me. My heart goes out to pastors who don't have that team of people. And oftentimes in the early days, you don't have that team because you haven't had time to develop those relationships. Mm -hmm. But over the time, if you will develop relationships, really build in your, uh, your, your time with people, eventually they'll see that he is a leader. He does care for us. He's not wanting something just from us, but he wants something for us. And when they believe you want something for them, oftentimes, even in adversity, they'll rally around you. But you cannot run from the problem. You have to confront it. And I find that most leaders do not like confrontation. And, and those who do, I think, need a counselor. But the reality is yes. you have to have sure. some, some confrontation at times because you believe you have the vision that God put in your heart. And if you know the vision God put in your heart, we say it like this oftentimes. You have to be mean about the vision. And it doesn't mean you're mean to people. It just means you believe the vision is so much from God that you're willing to put it all on the line and risk it all. So many leaders don't want to take risk. But if you're taking a risk and trusting God, that's where it's exciting. That's where it's adventurous. That's where it's so motivating that you, you love this. And even though it's difficult, there's an inner motivation that you never want to concede. You want to continue to do what you know God has convicted you to do. And through that process of loving your people, leading your people, facing confrontation, dealing with the uh, possibilities, things just happen. And over the years, so 28 years for me, there's been an, a cumulative effect where you, John Maxwell likes to say, you gain a little pocket change and every now and then you have to spend it. So people will trust you on in times when it's difficult to see, but because you've had successful times prior to that, they tend to say, let's go, we'll yeah. follow you. Becoming the first full-time pastor, um, sometimes that setting, certainly in the UK, if a church suddenly has a full-time person, mm -hmm. it sometimes replaces a kind of leadership vacuum that nobody's really been leading up to that point. Oh, yes. I don't know if you found that. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, for 188 years, this church had existed in a small rural setting. And uh, I had the opportunity to come uh, as I said earlier, I was 26 years of age, and the desire was to lead this church to be vibrant, to be alive, to be caring, 
to reach people uh, and to honor the Lord Jesus. And through that process, it just started. And, and I don't think they expected me to be full-time either, but we had 35 people on our, on my very first Sunday. And we always kid uh, or joke about this, that our youth group were in their forties <laughs> and I was 26. <laughs> okay. And so it was an older church yep, with an yep. aging population. Uh, and uh, they had lost expectation. They just wanted to survive. And I didn't want to survive. I was 26. I wanted to grow. I wanted to thrive. I wanted to see God do something. There's a little example in Mark chapter 2 in the Bible where these four men brought their friend to Christ. The house was full. And when the house was full, Jesus was preaching and they couldn't get their friend in. So they tore off a piece of the roof, lowered him down, and God did a miracle. The whole community, the fear of God came on the community and people were, we've never seen anything like this before. Well, that was my motivation and my vision for going to the Grove. I thought if God can do something out in the middle of what we would consider nowhere, God would have to be glorified and people couldn't imagine uh, a human ability being able to accomplish this. So let me give you an example. When I went there, we had 35 people. It was 188 years old. I thought in my head, if we had 2,000 people on the 200th anniversary, then it would be like Mark chapter two. The house would be full. God would be changing lives, and the community would have to say, we've never seen anything like this before. On the 200th anniversary, we had 2,567 wow. people. Oh, fantastic. That's a miracle mm. of God. Mm. Because the city itself only had like 850 people. Mm. There were 90 different postal codes represented that morning in our fellowship. God did a miracle in the middle of nowhere and drew people from everywhere. Because we felt like Christ had been lifted up, he draws all men unto himself. And the country couldn't imagine it. And that's how I got involved with John Maxwell, because I had sent him a letter of thank you, because he had mentored me without knowing me, and then afterwards he called me and said, hey, I'd like to get to know you. That's a wonderful story. Yeah. That's fabulous, fabulous stuff. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, you, you mentioned already the John Maxwell books, so that was one of your contributing factors to you. And are there other tools that have you found helpful? Well, the first book I read was John's book called Developing the Leader Within. Yes. And then I read the book Developing the Leaders Around You. Right. And then I read the book Today Matters. And yes. so I've been a good John Maxwell That's student. That's impressive. And, yeah. and I've read so many of his books, yeah. uh, Intentional Living and Failing Forward, which I've had to do so many times over these 26, mm. 28 years, because you do fail, uh, but you have to get up. The Bible said a righteous man falls seven times, but he rises up again. Hmm. And if a pastor doesn't have the determination to keep getting up, then eventually he'll f fall hmm. away. But you just have to decide, I'm going to get up, but I'm going to learn from what caused me to fall, hmm. and then I'll rise again. And so uh, there have been many, many books that have contributed. Uh, Bill Hybels, um, Courageous Leadership. Yep. I was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It was a defining moment in my life uh, because the church had grown. And that's what a lot of people want it to do. They want their churches to grow. The problem is, if you as a pastor aren't growing at a healthy pace along with it, then it can become crushing. And so after our uh, 200th anniversary uh, in 2002, I didn't know what to do with all the people that we had we gathered. And it was like, oh, we had a great day. Now what do I do? <laughs> and so I, I took a sabbatical, and Bill Hybels in Courageous Leadership really challenged me to go back and rethink what we had done. 
And I would just say this. One of the ways that we have grown over the years is we have one of the questions you asked earlier was how had things progressed? We began as a very event driven church. We had wonderful music. Um, we, we had lots of great activities. We attracted many, many young people. But after a while, what you have is a crowd, but a crowd can't sustain itself. You have to build a congregation of disciples and people who are uh, deepening their walk with God. And through that process, we moved from an event-based church to a process-based church, which means we use events, but the process became more important than just the events. While you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck, I'm joined this week by Jeff Appling. Uh, Jeff is a senior pastor of Grove Level Church in Georgia, USA. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Jeff Appling, the senior pastor of Grove Level Church in Georgia, USA, just outside uh, uh, the city of Atlanta, at least in the in environment uh, around that area. Uh, he served as a full, first full-time pastor since 1992, um, although the church had a history stretching back 200 years. And he's in the UK uh, as part of the John Maxwell-based uh, Equip, a ministry which is training up uh, Christian leaders. So before the break, we talked a little bit about uh, the rapid growth that uh, the church has seen, uh, seen. obviously the, the, the immediate question you must face is well, why? I mean you're you know, 35 to 2,500 what are, what would be the key things? You talked about lifting Jesus high which is yes, wonderful. Yes. There must Obviously there's more to, more to it to that I mean there's, there's lots of <laughs> things going on that have been good yes. that have contributed to that kind of growth. Yes well, One of the things that I recognized first about Christ was he loved people hmm. differently than people uh, loved people. His love was different. Mm. And so uh, trying to uh, imitate his love for people, loving people unconditionally, not always trying to correct people, but trying to connect with people. That was a defining Mm. distinction because oftentimes churches want to correct people. But there's no reason to correct them until they have a relationship with the Lord Mm. Jesus. Mm. And so... uh, I say that in humility. We, we preach the, the gospel and the gospel does the changing. We don't want a man-made change. We want a God-made change. And so we love people unconditionally. And, and that meant all people. And when we mean all people, we mean all people. And so it doesn't matter what race they were. It doesn't matter where they came from, what their socioeconomic background was. When they walked into our church, we had a core value. All people matter to God. And if all people matter to God, they matter to us. We also felt like God had called us to be a hospital in the sense of hurting people needed help. And so we, we've learned from years of experience, hurt people hurt people. And so rather than hurting hurt people, we prayed to do no harm mm-hmm. to hurt people. And we it, it became an amazing event because uh, and, a, and a process because we saw so many hurt people begin to show up at our church, which which it's like an intensive care room. Hmm. And you have to be sensitive to the needs of people. But when a hurt person receives healing, they run out and tell everybody. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've been there for 28 years, and we have never had a Sunday in 28 years that we didn't have first-time guests. Wow. And, and it has never been from 
advertising on a billboard mm-hmm. or television ads or even radio spots. It truly has been from word of mouth, yep. hurt people being helped. Go tell everybody. And that's the best advertisement Absolutely. you can get. Change lives. Yeah, and, the, and obviously the one that Jesus modeled in the Gospels. This yeah, is... John chapter 4 with the yeah. Samaritan woman. Yeah, yeah. He valued her. Yeah. And then she tells her whole city, and yes. they come out to hear about the Lord. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened yeah. in our situation. I've, yeah, yeah. I've seen that in reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you you connected with with John Maxwell partly through having thanked him for the books and him mm-hmm. getting in touch with you, mm-hmm. and you're now serving as a trainer with with the Equip organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me how that all happens. You know, getting from that point to actually doing training. Yeah, it's a great story. Um, in John Maxwell did a thing called Challenge 1000, mm-hmm. and I was one of those pastors who had about 100 people in their church at the time, and I listened to John, I listened to what he taught. Was oh, 1,000 Conversations About Faith? Was that the one? No, it was, uh, it was called Challenge 1000, meaning he wanted to lead 1,000 pastors to have 1,000 in their church. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay. and so there were a couple of other fellows mm-hmm. there that day, but I listened to it. I was motivated by it. I had no idea. I didn't know how to get to 200, much less, you know, 2,000 uh, or 1,000. But after we accomplished that, our newspapers in the area, they did articles about our church because it was a phenomena. Right, they couldn't yeah. explain it. So I took an article, sent it to John, and said, hey, I'm one of those guys in the audience. want to say thank you. Uh, I'm forever indebted to you. Thanks for your leadership mm-hmm. training. It wasn't long after that, his secretary, Linda Eggers, gave me a call and said, Hi, I'm Linda Eggers. I'm calling on behalf of John Maxwell. He'd like to meet with you. Would you like to meet with him? Well, I fell out of my chair. <laughs> then I rose back up and I said, Let me pray about it. Yes, I want to meet with John. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so met with John. Uh, he had me out. Uh, we had lunch. We talked about it. He was then uh, beginning to uh, create the, the nonprofit part of his work called Equip, which means encouraging qualities undeveloped in people. And he had a million leaders mandate. His goal was to reach one million. And he said, Jeff, I need leaders like you to help me accomplish my goal. I want you to join my team and and let's go. And so uh, I joined the team in 1998, I believe. And so I've been with the team now 20 years. Uh, I've taught in Brazil and Iceland, uh, Honduras, Guatemala, uh, just all over uh, the world, uh, helping with the vision of training up a million leaders. And then we went to five million leaders, and we've just seen phenomenal success around the world with John's leadership materials. And so uh, over the years, I've built a relationship with him. He does bring us out to a place in California every year where we meet together. We celebrate our victories. He knows how to celebrate. Trust me. He knows how to celebrate a victory. And so we, we celebrate our wins, and then we refocus, realign, and go back to work the next year trying to help leaders, uh, not only in our area where we live, but build leaders around the world. And that's how I got involved with John and built a great relationship with he and his family. Well, that's wonderful. Now, obviously, uh, listeners uh, can connect with some of the material that you've, you're looking at through, obviously, John's books. But you're particularly concerned with helping Christian leaders to be salt and light where God has placed them. So perhaps we're familiar with leadership training of pastors. Right. But this might be training of someone who runs a a company or involved in politics or wherever it is. Uh, What are the kind of things that you're looking at in the broad brush strokes? One of the things that John Maxwell was burdened about is uh, people don't just want to come to church anymore. They're not just coming out. And so if the church doesn't go out to the world, 
they may never hear about Christ because oftentimes successful business leaders don't even think they have a need for Christ. Yeah, yeah. But John has been so effective in communicating the love of Jesus through his leadership principles that he's won an opportunity to share his faith. So John thinks that the church needs to go into the world rather than waiting for the world to come into the church. And so creating the principles of Jesus, salt, which John says makes you know everything better, I'm from the deep south in the United States. We put salt on everything because it brings out the flavors. And then he talks about light, and light, it, it brings out the colors. And so it makes things better, and it makes things brighter. And so when you go into a business place, and you take the principles of success. So how do you how do you become successful? Uh, John teaches principles on intentional living leads to success. He talks about learning how to grow uh, successfully. And so people know John's success as an author, and so oftentimes they're attracted to hear what he has to say. So we talk about how to have a healthy attitude and how to have priorities in life and schedule your priorities and how to build personal relationships. I think everybody knows uh, you can be competent in your job, but if you don't have the ability to get along with people, you're never going to be successful. And so John is a great people person. He has demonstrated how to connect with people relationally. So we take these principles of relationship and priorities and growth and different types of growth principles, and we just build a relationship there. So we don't really start with preaching the gospel. We just start with an opportunity of how to get better where you are. And oftentimes people know John's success, so they allow us to have these roundtable conversations, um, which we call salt and light, which is leading to transformation of people's lives. But it just starts with a conversation. It starts with a connection. And then eventually we ask the question, um, we, we let people know that we are people of faith. And if they would like to know more about that faith, uh, we feel that that has been an essential part to our success. John thinks that's been an essential part to his success. And so we talk about that. And oftentimes people will say, well, sure, tell me about your faith. And so after many lessons of, of uh, priorities in life, then we have a faith conversation. And oftentimes people will say, oh, I didn't know that Christ was this way. Because oftentimes people have a misinformed view of God. And so what we try to do is inform them of a proper view of God. People say, well, I don't want anything to do with this God. And this is what I often say to them. Well, tell me about that God that you don't want anything to do with. I probably don't either. Yes, indeed. So eventually we try to correct the view of God who is loving and kind and generous and merciful and gracious. And, and, and so eventually they think, oh, I've never met that God before. And we have an opportunity then to present the gospel of Jesus Christ through that format. Wonderful. And I understand that John has seen more come to faith through his business leadership training than he ever did as pastor. And he was very effective as a pastor, wasn't he? It's, it's fascinating. He was a marvelous pastor. Mm. And we often learned many things from him as a pastor and even his staff mm. uh, that continued to grow even after John left. They were huge contributions to us as pastors throughout the country and the world. But John has had so much more success in building relationships with influential people around the world and offering them an opportunity to say, hey, you know I'm a man of faith. If you'd like to know more about my faith, maybe at the cocktail hour, come by and sit at my table. 
And he said, and he's told us time after time after time, and I've met many of these people myself that have come to faith in Jesus Christ during a cocktail hour with John Maxwell. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Well, Jeff, sadly, time's uh, defeated us, but thank you for being <laughs> in the UK to serve uh, to serve Brits. I mean, there'd be other nations there, I'm sure. Uh, well, I'm humbled and honored to be here. Uh, the one thing that I've noticed so far are the Brits are most hospitable to Southern Americans. And I want to say thank you. Uh, and I appreciate you. And uh, thank you so much for having me on your program. Wonderful. Well, you've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Jeff Appling, who's, as I say, in the uh, on the teaching team with Equip, a ministry begun by John Maxwell, which has been part of our conversation. So thanks, Jeff. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Do uh, tune in to uh, Premier again next Sunday at 3.30, and you can listen to archive versions of The Leadership File by going to the Leadership File section of the uh, Premier website. And uh, you can also go to iTunes and download it to your listening device there. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's Word to everyday life. Contact him via email apec at cwr.org.uk. 